am Dr. Lacey Baldivias, and this is the Food as Medicine podcast, sponsored by the Food Bank of Santa Barbara County. I believe that health is a fundamental right, and then we can step our way toward a long and healthful life by paying attention to the food that we put into our bodies every single day. Today, we're going to dive into the power of cruciferous vegetables. People probably know that broccoli is good for them, but they may not know the biology behind why and how it helps your body heal. These two ladies gave a fantastic in-person presentation recently, which received such remarkable feedback that we decided to take it on the air and get the information out there to more and more people. So today I'm joined by Randy Miller. She's an integrative health coach and Vibeka Weiland. She's a nutritional consultant and the board chair at the Food Bank of Santa Barbara County. So welcome, both of you. Thank you. Hi, Lacey. We're going to start today with the initial question, why cruciferous vegetables? I had signed up for a course through Stanford on epigenetics. And throughout that course, one of the things I learned about was sulforaphane in cruciferous vegetables, how powerful it was in terms of its impact on our genes, and some really interesting tips to maximize the content. And it was so powerful to know these little things you could do would increase the chemistry in this plant that would significantly improve health. And I thought, it's too good not to share. And you mentioned epigenetics. Can you explain what epigenetics might mean? Epigenetics is a layer above our genes that talks to our genes and tells them to turn on and turn off, which is called gene expression. We've all lived under this paradigm of genetic determinism, where we've thought for a long time that the genes we were born with are our fate. If you were born and inherited a bad gene, then you were out of luck. There's actually a layer above our genes that triggers them, that tells certain genes like anti-cancer genes to turn on or off, and that that really plays a massive role in our health. And so you're saying that plants like broccoli and other cruciferous vegetables can actually turn our genes on and off, is that right? That is true. And there's actually not just plants and the foods we eat, but the entirety of everything that we're exposed to impacts what we call the epigenome. That's that layer on top of the genome. The cruciferous vegetables, how do they affect the gene expression? So specifically, we talked about a compound called sulforaphane, which is found in all cruciferous vegetables, and it works by interacting with enzymes that then talk to your DNA, it's that epigenome again, and that can trigger different processes, and we refer to them as cellular defense mechanisms, and there's four big areas where they're all different versions of cellular defense mechanisms. Randy talked about detoxification as one of them. Yeah, one of the ways that sulforaphane in cruciferous vegetables talks to your genes is through detoxification. It triggers enzymes that help detoxify, and it also works with your liver. So sulforaphane donate sulfur to phase two of liver detoxification. So our liver is our master detoxifier in Chinese medicine. It's known as the grandfather organ, and it's responsible for over 500 processes, and detoxification is a big one. And so sulforaphane, and you can tell by the word that the, the prefix is sulfur, it donates the sulfur in phase two of liver detoxification to help shuttle all those toxins that Vibeka mentioned out of your body. So I like to visualize it like a little tow truck that kind of 
clips to the the toxin that you want out, whether it's benzene, whether it's phthalates or PFOA, any of those toxins we're exposed to, it tows it out of your body and helps you excrete it. And you really need to do that to stay healthy, especially in light of the amount of toxins we are exposed to today. So putting this all together, all of these toxins that are coming into our body are going to the liver and the sulfur from this compound you've mentioned, sulforaphane, gets attached to the toxin itself. Then the liver sends it out. So that toxin with the sulfur bound is excreted through the body. Yes, that's exactly right. And it's excreted through bile or urine or stool. And so those are the ways we get toxins out. And so if we wanted to inspire listeners to eat more cruciferous vegetables, I mentioned broccoli originally, but what are some of the other ones that people could include in their diets to increase that sulforaphane? It's actually a pretty big category of vegetables, much bigger than most people know. The usual ones that get lumped together are, as you said, broccoli. We know broccoli and cauliflower and cabbage are related to each other. They are all crucifers and all their little variants like Romanesco and broccolini and broccoli rabe and all those ones. And then there are additional vegetables that we're all familiar with but maybe don't know are cruciferous, like radishes. Probably most people don't know that those are cruciferous. Arugula, bok choy, horseradish, and wasabi. And the thing that all of these plants have in common is that they are all descended originally from a wild mustard plant. All of the plants in this family, if when they go and they flower, the flowers have four petals in the shape of a cross. They also get called brassicas now, so you kind of hear those used interchangeably. But the original term was crucifers and cruciferous vegetables. And you said they all descended from the same original mustard plant? Yes. They certainly look very different from each other, and they have different flavors, but a lot of them have that kind of hot spiciness to them, like a mustardy spiciness. But the way that they all got created was they are man-made. Man intervened and used a process called artificial selection. And basically the way that works is you'd have a crop of your mustard and you would pick the individual plants that had, say, the biggest buds on the end. And you would pick only the seeds from those plants to plant your next crop. And then from that crop, you would pick only the seeds with the biggest bud ends from that crop. And this went on and on and on for thousands of generations. And different farmers selected different um, aspects of the plant that they wanted to enhance. So the ones that were selecting for like a big flower on the end ultimately got us cauliflower. The ones that selected for lots of buds going up the stem, they're called lateral buds, eventually got us Brussels sprouts. The ones that selected for nice big leaves eventually got us kale. And I guess one other point I want to make in in all of this is that this is not the same thing as genetic modification. That's a topic that people are pretty interested in these days. GMOs or genetic modification um, involves taking DNA from an entirely different species, and it could even be like an insect or something, and inserting it into the DNA of the plant you're trying to modify. So this is not genetic modification. This process is called artificial selection. And I think that's just so important, having our listeners understand that it all comes from the same plant, because a lot of nutritionists and dietitians will oftentimes recommend variety 
in the diet. And maybe you have kale, broccoli, cauliflower, and radish all in one sitting, and you think, wow, I really nailed it in terms of a variety of vegetables. But in fact, you didn't. Nope. They look different, but they all have pretty similar nutritional profile. Do you have any recommendation on how to avoid picking all foods from the same plant family? Vibeka and I like to talk about eating the rainbow, and it's a really easy way to to go about it. And if you just think of all the colors in the rainbow and you try to eat foods every day that represent those colors, you will have a variety. So if you think of red, um, red peppers. If you think of blue, blueberries or purple onions. The more color you can get on your plate, not necessarily all in one meal, but throughout the day or throughout the week, the better. Also, we live in a society right now where there's a lot of processed food. So although crucifers do have very similar nutritional profiles, it would still be okay to eat a bunch of crucifers with a similar nutritional profile than to not eat all those veggies and eat processed food. Absolutely. That is a great point. Yes. And it brings us back to the original topic of the power of these cruciferous vegetables. We talked about the epigenetic modification. We talked about detoxification. What about things like antioxidants? You read a lot about that in magazines. Is there any kind of antioxidant effect with the crucifers? There is, and it's probably not what most people would expect because we are frequently told to consume our fruits and vegetables for their antioxidant content. Vitamin C is a well-known antioxidant that you can consume, but our bodies actually make their own antioxidant. We make, for example, the master antioxidant is glutathione. We make it on board in our bodies. And sulforaphane is actually a pro-oxidant, which would, well, your first response would be, well, gosh, I sure want to avoid that. But what it does is because it slightly increases oxidation, it stimulates our body to produce more antioxidants. So we kind of, the term is upregulation of antioxidant production. We make more, and as we produce more, we're able to withstand the oxidative effects of lots of things that are happening around us. We just kind of become better at antioxidizing. Yeah, and one way, if you think of um, how people get treated for allergies, you know, you go to the allergist, and if you're allergic to something, they'll give you small doses over time to help your body stimulate its own response. And that, over time, you will build immunity. And so that is kind of what sulforaphane is doing. Every time you're eating it, it's stimulating your body to create its own antioxidants. And so it's building you up. It causes a little bit of oxidation so that your body can wake up and say, oh my goodness, oxidation, I better make my own antioxidants. Yeah. And let's just say oxidation is necessary for life. It's not an evil process by any means. We live in an oxygen-based world and oxidation is a result of our own body's production of energies. Completely normal, completely natural. We have defenses against it and we just want to keep those defenses healthy. But again, when you're eating processed food snacks, you are not ingesting antioxidants. And that's when you can have so much oxidation in your body that's not being counterbalanced by what you're eating. So we need our fruits and our vegetables to to give that to us as well. And that's another reason why it's so important to eat the rainbow. Oxidation is normal, but we do need to counteract that with antioxidants. There's both external sources of antioxidants 
and there's internal production of antioxidants. These vegetables in particular can help you stimulate your own internal production of antioxidants. Are there any other special effects of cruciferous vegetables that we haven't talked about? The last one that we talked about is gene repair, DNA repair. I think we could all agree that repairing our DNA sounds like a pretty critical process, but what we don't realize is how often our DNA is being damaged. Our DNA is being damaged just through normal living, walking, breathing, singing a song. It is damaged 800 times an hour. That is 19,000 times a day. And there are over 80,000 chemicals in the U.S. today being made every year that we can't see always with our eyes. And we are exposed to them. And they are damaging our DNA significantly. And eating cruciferous vegetables because of sulforaphane will help repair your DNA so that you do not suffer from mutations and are less prone to disease. The way they study DNA damage is through studying smokers. And they gave a group of smokers one broccoli stalk. It was one stalk of broccoli, yes. One stalk of raw broccoli a day to one group of smokers, and the other group they didn't give the raw broccoli to. Smokers who ate the one stalk of broccoli had... Was it 30%? It was 30% less DNA damage compared with the smokers who didn't eat the broccoli. There were also other studies that showed that sulforaphane in broccoli can cut the risk of various cancers by 30 to 40%. So the DNA damage is something that could potentially lead to a chronic disease yes, such as cancer. Absolutely. So is there anything else I've missed that you want to add about cruciferous vegetables? We've been talking about sulforaphane as if it's this compound that just exists in the vegetables. However, it does not. And it's actually made when two compounds in the vegetables mingle. And Randy does a really great job. She has the perfect analogy. And to give credit to my teacher from my Stanford epigenetics class, it was her analogy that made it really easy to understand. So there are two compounds. One is called glucoraphanin and the other is called myrosinase. And myrosinase is an enzyme. And in order for sulforaphane to get made, the glucoraphanin and the, and the myrosinase have to mix together. So if you think of a glow stick, and I think many of us have seen those glow sticks at kids' parties where you get this little plastic tube and it just looks like a plain old plastic tube until you break it, and then two chemicals inside there mix and then suddenly it lights up and it's glowing. Well, sulforaphane is kind of the same way. You've got these two precursors and when you break the crucifer, so that could be chopping, let's just use broccoli as an example, when you chop it with your knife or when you chew it with your teeth, it's like breaking that glow stick and that glucoraphanin and that myrosinase commingle and sulforaphane is, is created. What about roasting? Would you not have sulforaphane when say roasting cauliflower or broccoli in your oven? Well, that is a great question. Myrosinase, one of the two precursors, does not withstand heat. So if you took a whole broccoli stalk and you stuck it in the oven, then you would kill the myrosinase. And when you chewed the broccoli, when you ate it, you would not get sulforaphane. But there are ways around that. All you have to do is chop your crucifer, whether it's cutting Brussels sprouts in half or cutting broccoli or cauliflower into little florets, at least 40 minutes before you would cook or steam them, you know, roast or steam them. And that gives enough time for the live myrosinase and glucoraphanin to mix and make sulforaphane. Once the sulforaphane is made, 
it can withstand heat. So you can cook it however you want. So it's all about the preparation. Yeah, and not destroying the myrosinase before it has an opportunity to mix with the glucoraphanin. Or say you didn't have time to chop 40 minutes in advance, you just need to get the food on the table. So you chop and roast your broccoli or whichever. When it comes out of the oven, the glucoraphanin withstands heat. So it is not destroyed. It is still there in the vegetables. And so at that point, you can just add some other raw version of a crucifer. And in fact, mustard powder is that. You can add mustard powder, sprinkle on your roasted crucifers. It will bring the myrosinase to the table, so to speak, so those two compounds can mix and form sulforaphane. I'd say one of the most powerful ways to add sulforaphane to your diet, especially if you have trouble digesting cruciferous vegetables, because some people do, is by eating the sprouts or the microgreens of Mm. cruciferous plants. So that could be um, arugula microgreens. I've seen kale microgreens. I very often buy broccoli microgreens or sprouts. Studies have been done, and in, I think it was raw broccoli sprouts, they contain 10 to 100 times the sulforaphane in the mature broccoli plant. Wow. So what I've started doing, I prefer microgreens to sprouts, and I know Vibeka does too, just because they're a little less grassy tasting, but I, I like both. But now I buy broccoli sprouts or broccoli microgreens all the time, and I put them in everything. I put them in my son's eggs every morning. I put them in sandwiches. I put them on my handfuls of it, salads, because it's a really easy way to get a lot of sulforaphane throughout the day, throughout the week, and without having to overdose on other cruciferous vegetables. And it's just such a great way to add flavor to your dish, right? right? I think of radish sprouts. I think you could get really creative with what you add them to. I like the idea of putting them in the eggs in the morning. Mm, Sometimes I really just eat them out of the package too. They taste good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I like it. It can also add a little bit of crunch to mm-hmm. something like the omelet. You get that little bit of texture in there. You get a little more of a restaurant experience. Even on top of a bowl of soup sometimes I'll put oh, yeah. the, spru- the microgreens in. It just makes it look like I am in a restaurant. Anything else that that people should hear about these cruciferous veggies? One thing we do mention is that sulforaphane is one of the most studied compounds out there. So there is a lot of research to back this up. Well, thank you both so much. I think it's really valuable information, and I hope that some of the listeners out there will incorporate even just a few more pieces of broccoli mm-hmm. or radish on the tacos or, or something. some microgreens, yes. Yeah, there's so many ways to add it in and just kind of brighten up your diet in that way. So mm-hmm. thank you very much. You're welcome. It's a thank pleasure. Thank you.